Oh, hello there, friends, and welcome to another episode of the 360 Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Brahim, and today I will be talking with Phil Treadwell. Now, Phil brings a, a wide variety of experience in the mortgage and real estate industry to this conversation. He's been in the mortgage industry for over 19 years. He is a podcast host of the Mortgage Marketing Expert podcast. He is a national public speaker and a mindset coach. Today, we're going to talk about um, everything from marketing to having the proper mindset in today's marketplace to the common denominators that he finds in the people that he interviews, uh, which I think is a very interesting perspective, given that he's interviewed so many of the nation's top producing loan originators over the last five years or so. So I am looking forward to this conversation with Phil. He's an incredibly articulate guy and a great teacher uh, and someone who I really enjoy talking with. I was on his show recently and it was just such a joy to be a, a guest on his show. He's an outstanding interviewer and I'm sure he's gonna do a wonderful job in a role reversal as the guest in today's episode of the 360 Experience. Before I get to introducing Phil to you, I'd like to remind you that this show thrives and survives on your subscriptions and on your likes and your forwards and your comments. So if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure if you like the episode to comment on it, please forward it to anybody that you think would benefit from it. If you are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, please make sure that you give us a like if you if you enjoy the episode. And above and beyond, beyond all, please make sure that you subscribe because the more subscribers we have, the easier it is for me to get other outstanding guests into the show. As always, check the show notes to the episode broadcast where we have uh, special additional information that you uh, will find to be valuable. And without further ado, I welcome Phil Treadwell to the 360 Experience. Phil, how are you, man? Man, I'm doing great. Happy to, to be here. I'm excited to have a cool conversation. Me too. I'm happy that you made that flight from Denver the other uh, yesterday that uh, you were yeah. telling me about before we started recording. Yeah, it was a little bit of a late night. Uh, traveling always has its curveballs, and this one was about a three and a half hour delay, but we made it back in one piece. Travel is tough right now, man. There's like, oh my goodness, just got done doing a retreat in Europe. Um and uh, we had all kinds of travel mishaps, so I I, uh, I definitely can feel you, and I'm I'm glad you got back safely. I appreciate that. So you know, I want to dive right in, and then we can maybe backfill a little bit of story on your career and all that kind of stuff in a little bit. But um, right now, I mean, uh, what are you seeing right now in the market? I mean, you're in Denver speaking, you're a podcast host, you're in the mortgage business. I mean, you're pretty tapped in and um, I'd love to know what you're seeing that people are doing effectively right now in the origination business based upon the people you're talking to. That's a great question. And I think that is the question. At the end of the day, there's really two things. The first one is, people that are growing, that are taking advantage of opportunities in this market, because there's opportunities in every market, is they're taking massive action. This isn't a time to take your foot off of the gas or wait for something to change with supply or the market or whatever. They're taking massive action. And I think that that's really important for people to realize is if you'll go out and do something, you're going to get some results. There's never a situation where doing nothing is better than doing something, even if you fail, even if it doesn't work out the way you want, because 
again, if you do nothing, you get nothing. But if you do something, you may get some results or you may take an L, but at least you have an opportunity to learn something. You're able to dial that in or get some type of a feedback. And the second piece is they have something more than just the same old offer. They have the same old you know, service level. They have an actual product. They're, they're taking their services. They're taking the value. They're taking their knowledge. And they're really putting it into a package. And they have kind of a unique value offer in what they do. Because we all know that a mortgage, right, that piece of paper that gets filed that you know, puts the lien on the property, that's pretty much the same everywhere you go. So what differentiates one loan officer from the next, one lender from the next? And that's really taking those services and putting them into a product that's tangible for people. And they have something different. They have a different type of conversation. They're not just saying they're in the mortgage business and you know people ask about the market or, or ask, ask about rates. They, they say, I have a mortgage practice that helps people build wealth with real estate or create financial security, or they have something specific that they can turn to of all the things they provide, all of the services they do, and, and they have a very finite thing that they're selling. And it makes it that much easier for people to wrap their minds around. I'm so glad we started here because, you know, I've been actually playing around uh, and, and preparing some content for one of our upcoming retreats um, around the topic of building a brand. You know, like I think that that's not something that gets talked a lot about. We, we, we refer to it as other things, of course, you know, a unique selling proposition, a value proposition. But I think it extends beyond that. It's it's not only what you do that makes you unique. But how are you putting that out in the marketplace to where you are differentiating yourself from your competition? And I think that that's really what you're talking about. So let's let's drill down and, and peel the layers of that onion back a little further. So what are a couple of unique value propositions, i.e. brands, or maybe we can get into how to turn that into a brand in a moment that you're seeing that's working effectively right now? Yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind uh, is just what you said when people talk about a unique value offer, too often they think it has to be something unique that no one else can do. And that's really not true. It's how do you show up and do what you do in a unique way? The individual loan officer, the individual originator, that's the uniqueness. And it really starts with understanding why you do what you do. You know, what happened in your past that uh, or didn't happen in your past that really drove you to want to help people in a certain way or to want to do this business at all. And when you really turn that into your uniqueness, people see that passion. People see why you're doing it as opposed to just collecting a paycheck or wanting to build a business for the purposes of building a business. And it really starts with, we all have access to certain levels of service. We have certain ways that we communicate with our borrowers, with our referral partners. We have different products that provide, you know, like obviously a mortgage coach and a total cost analysis or some type of a loan comparison or your monthly wealth digest. There's lots of things where we spend too much time listing off the features and we need to articulate benefit. People don't care about those things, but they do care about is a solution that it provides to a problem they have or a benefit that they provide. So the more that you can take those and put that into, like you said, a brand or a specific offering of what you do, that changes things. A, a great example off the top of my head is Ryan Grant with The Art of Homeownership. He's done an incredible job of taking the things that he does and both before you apply, both during the, the transaction and 
as you continue to work with them after that individual home is, has been closed or that loan is, is done. And so that's what people need to do. And the people that are having results are doing just that. Yeah. I think what RG, so let's kick around a few names here and, and, and you can feel free to add anybody that you know that I'm not mentioning that can really cement this point home. So what RG's done a great job of is he's taken, as you said, these these various components before you talk to the and before you do their loan, you know, when you first engage them during the process post-closing. But the key thing is, is that he's encapsulated them into a philosophy that he's figured out how to present and articulate in a way that creates separation, that creates uniqueness, and as you articulated quite beautifully, that solves problems that people have. So he's identified problems and figured out unique ways to solve those problems. Now, I think that a challenge, Phil, with a lot of originators is that when you hit them with that question of what makes you unique, they're in a, their eyes glass over. And, and a lot of people start to really become self-deprecating. Um, they start to say, well, I actually don't do anything really that special. I'm not really that. And that's all that's all just a story because I think at the end of the day, each one of us has a gift to give, but the identification of that gift and learning how to utilize it in a way that is of service to someone is the key thing. And I think it, it goes, you know, first and foremost, I think the first place that an originator needs to look is what comes natural to them. What's easy to them. What is joyful for them? Those are all clues to the things that make you unique. So, for me, as an example, for whatever reason, I'm pretty good at stringing words together. I mean, scripting has always been my strength. So I leveraged that as an originator and I really polished and created a, a really strong presentation at point of sale to where I knew that if somebody was going to be talking to somebody else, they're probably not going to sound as good as me because I invested a lot of time into really thinking through strategically how to educate someone, how to explain things in a way that was digestible and how to add value to them in that capacity. I know other originators who are outstanding when it comes to being networkers, like they are really good, like Steve Grossman, who I just had on the show about 30 days ago, he's the best I've ever seen at it. All he's doing is taking a step back and saying, all right, what, what comes easy to me? What am I good at? What am I naturally gifted at? Some people are extremely detail-oriented and analytical and they know how to structure files. Other people are naturally extroverted and are really good at building relationships. People like RG and say myself are really good at articulating our value proposition to the person where they can really comprehend it. But let's look at Josh Metal as an example. So Josh, another good buddy of mine, like he realized a long time ago now, like 12, 14 years ago, that there was a hole in the market that wasn't being filled. And it was the hole of people being able to get loans if they were physicians. And he created an entire brand by researching the products that would be most appropriate for somebody who was just out of graduate school and had a lot of student loans that's starting their own medical practice. And he figured out how to match product with a need and then create an entire marketing strategy around it. So I'm going to hit pause there and see if you want to add further to what I just shared. But the, this, what I'd like to make sure that you, you hit on is this, this topic of there's nothing about me that is special and debunking that. Yeah, that's, I love what you said so much because everyone has a uniqueness, something that they enjoy. And you talk a lot about having joy being at play 
the the, the things about us that really kind of light us up. I, I like to think it's a zone of genius for everyone. They all have that thing. I know for me, you just had Rene Rodriguez on not too long ago. He's a, he's a close friend of mine and, and been a mentor. We established that for me, I'm a strategist. I'm really good at helping bridge the gap from where somebody wants to be and where they are. And that's really just a decision and a, and a strategy. So a lot of times, you know, working with our clients or even from the origination perspective, a lot of people want financial security or they want stability or they want to just become a homeowner. And maybe they either don't know how or there are some obstacles in the way. So that's how we created our unique value offer with showing them here are different strategies that we can help you accomplish what it is you want to accomplish. And part of that is coming from my why. I like to help people achieve and execute at the level they're capable of. It's not typically a, a lack of desire, the reason people don't hit those things. It's either a knowledge thing or an action thing. And it doesn't have to be super profound either. As we talk to a lot of people and we help them kind of uncover why they do what they do and, and what they are passionate about and what they're good at, what comes naturally to them. Sometimes it's, again, part of an experience that they had when they were younger. An example I, I use a lot is I had a loan officer and I just asked her, I said, why, why do you do what you do? What's, what's passionate about this for you? And she said, I really want to help people create financial security. And I said, that's, that's exciting. That's awesome. A lot of people need that. What about that is significant? And we kind of went through this exercise. And what finally came out was that she was one of three kids to a single mom who moved around a lot because they had, didn't have a lot of security financially. So they weren't able to stay in one place for very long. That led to not having a lot of friendships or extracurricular activities and things that they wanted to do. But at some point when she was a teenager, her mom found a job where she was able to buy a house. And that's really where the good memories from her childhood came from was they stayed in one place. They created friendships. They were able to get into extracurriculars and, and all of these things, you know, even from family memories in, in that home that changed her life in a positive way. So as she got older, she immediately went into working at a bank and eventually to a mortgage company where she started doing loans because she experienced the same thing in her life with her husband is when they were able to buy a home, it changed the trajectory of their personal finances. So whenever we repackage that in a way where we let both her referral partners and clients know, and she was able to articulate that message that I want to help people create financial security through home ownership. And part of that reason is because, and gives a little version of her story, people see that differently. Here's the tools that we're going to provide you to do these things. It's now a specific offer that is unique to her. It's not that another loan officer couldn't potentially do that, but can they do it in that way? Or are they even saying it in that way? And I, I say that for people because it doesn't have to be some profound skill. It doesn't have to be some profound thing. It can just be you showing up and letting people know, this is why I do this. And this is how I'm going to help you do the same thing. Yeah, beautifully articulated. And I, I, I do think that what you just said right there is so critically important. It's like, let's not make this too hard. And let's not, you know, let great be the enemy of good. And something you said earlier that I, that I want to hit on is that there really isn't at the end of the day any failure when you're taking action there's only results that you were looking for 
or learnings that you can glean from. If you don't have success with the action that you've taken, there's a lot of clues that are left behind as to what to do differently. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the old, you know, phrase of Thomas Edison, you know, saying to his constituents when they said, you know, this isn't going to work, you know, you know, you know, creating electricity you know, electricity or, or, you know, uh, cultivating electricity for the light bulb that we've tried 20,000 times and it hasn't worked. And he said, nonsense, we have 20,000 times that we know it doesn't work. We're that much closer to figuring out how it does work. Right. So it's, I I think that the fear of failure, you know, I'll tell you a a quick story um, just to go off track for a minute. So I was just in Italy with my wife, with my director of, of logistics for my company and we're facilitating this couple's retreat for 12 days. And Andrea, she's from Costa Rica. She speaks Spanish, but she doesn't speak any Italian. My wife doesn't speak any Italian. The three of us took Italian lessons for four months. And when we got to Italy, I watched two entirely different scenarios unfold over the course of those 12 days. My wife, has a perfectionistic side of her to where she's timid about speaking in this particular example, unless she can get it right, unless she knows how to conjugate the verb correctly, unless she knows how to exactly string the sentence together. Andrea, on the other hand, just really didn't care. She just went for it. And I remember one night I was sitting there listening to her talking to this bus driver and I speak a decent amount of Italian. So I'm listening to them talk and I'm realizing not only is she mixing in a bunch of Spanish and a few English words. She's also just flat out not saying certain things correctly. And she just didn't care. Right. Because she was engaged and in the process she was learning. And over the course of those 12 days, her Italian got so much better than my wife's because my wife was holding back and not engaging in conversing with people because she didn't want to get it wrong. And I think that there's something to be learned there about the process of being a great originator. I guarantee you that Ryan Grant tried a whole bunch of things before he figured it out. I mean, you have to put yourself on the field and you have to play the game uh, and, and learn as you go. So much of it is learned in the trenches by making mistakes, making course adjustments and putting yourself in a position where you can grow with the process. So, um, okay. So you interview a lot of people. How long, how long have you had your podcast for? We've had our podcast uh, for a little over five years. We launched June 1st of 2018. And for everybody listening, obviously that you are, or you wouldn't be hearing me say this, you need to listen to Phil's podcast. He's an excellent host. I really enjoyed being on your show. Uh, it was such an easy, uh, easy process for me as a guest. And I, I, I think the world of your show. So I really want to give props to you. Yeah, you're welcome. So you have over the course of five years interviewed a lot of people. And I would imagine as a result of that, you've learned a lot of things that people are doing right. And a lot of uh, strategies that people are exercising. And I'm sure that you've seen some common denominators. What are a few common denominators that you've uncovered when you think back to some of your previous episodes of what successful people are doing besides that of taking action, any specific tactics that you'd like to share? hundred percent. And this is, I love it. Uh, This is almost a softball because it's a hundred percent in my wheelhouse. I, when I started the podcast, you're exactly right. I, you know, you were the second guest I had ever interviewed and and we didn't know each other at that time. And I was so excited about the podcast because I knew I was going to have an opportunity to learn and be able to, to 
just get better as a human, whether people listened or didn't listen. It was just a huge opportunity to, to get in that sphere of influence of folks. And through that, there are a ton of common denominators. And I'm in the process of, of finishing a book called What the Uncommon Have in Common, because uncommon, really highly successful people, not just in business, but in their life and in their relationships and in their health, there's some common denominators. And the first one is really what you alluded to earlier around embracing the fear of failure. Failure is not the opposite of success. Failure is a part of success. And I love how you framed that real failure. There's, there's not really any failure in taking action because when you have a growth mindset, all it is is an opportunity to learn something to help get you where you want to go. But we've kind of been trained by a lot of formal academia that success is over here and failures over here. And we have to decide which way we want to go. Like it's a linear path because you can't fail every quiz, fail every test, even if you learned everything that you got wrong in that world, you're still a quote unquote failure. But almost every person that I've ever interviewed and been coached by or mentored by understands that those are the opportunities and the building blocks of how you become successful. So long as you learn those things in there. So that's an important one. And I think a lot of people kind of overlook it and like, well, I'm not necessarily afraid of failing. I, I, I'm okay failing. And I would challenge him that that may be true, but a lot of times we're afraid of people seeing us fail. We don't necessarily want them to know that we've taken an L or we've had a setback or there's something that hasn't worked out how we wanted. And we have in our minds a lot of times that to be an elite professional, you have to succeed or get results from a, a, an extremely high percentage of the things that you do. Like 80, 90% of the time, you've got to have those wins. But you look at other elite professionals, the metaphor I always like to use is, is of baseball. If you're a professional baseball player at any level and you have a 200 batting average, you're probably playing double A or triple A baseball. Now, if you have a 300 batting average, you're for sure in the major leagues and you might even be an all-star. And if you have a 400 batting average, you're, you're Ted Williams. You're one of the greatest of all time. Okay, well, to be one of the best in the world in the major leagues at what you do, a 300 batting average means 70% of the time they fail. They're not getting on base. They're grounding out. They're, they're flying out. They're striking out, whatever. Okay, so to be the best in that arena, you're still, quote unquote, failing 70% of the time. And it's not behind closed doors. It's in front of 40,000 people that are calling you everything but the name your mom gave you. And then you have to go and do it again in 20, 25 minutes and in a couple of innings. And I think as mortgage professionals, we have a lot to learn from that because you go out and do it and you need to learn what happened because every time they're at bat and they're not getting the result that they want, they learn something about the pitcher. They learn something about the defense and the outfield and the infield and whatever's happening around them so that they can come back the next time and execute at a higher level. And it doesn't take 50, 60, 80, 90% of the time to be one of the best. And I think that that's where it ties into that taking massive action is realizing that failure is a part of the process. So that's really kind of the first, you know, uh, bullet point there. The other thing I think that we really need to pay attention to, we alluded to as well, which is people pay for solutions to their problems. And it doesn't necessarily mean monetarily. You know, there's a lot of conversation around videos and content and social media. Well, in today's day and age, 
people are consuming content in a lot of different times of their, their day and times of their life. And so I always like to tell people, does it pass the DMV test? In the state of Texas, we have something called the Godforsaken DMV. Now, that's not what's on the sign, but that's sure what we experience. You have to show up at like five or six o'clock in the morning. So when they open, they give you a number or a time to come back hours later, and you're, you're there for a couple more hours. It's, it's, it's a whole terrible institution and experience. Well, I share that because when you're in a moment like that, or you're in a doctor's waiting room forever, and you open up social media, no one's saying, man, I hope I see a definition of amortization, or man, I hope I see how many you know loans that a loan officer has closed last month. And I'm not saying there's any anything wrong with with someone doing that on social media. But what I'm saying is the problem that someone has in that moment is they want to escape their environment. They want to be entertained. They want to be uh, informed. They, they want something different. And so they're going to pay you with their attention to solve that problem. And really, really high performing people, successful people understand this concept that we all have different small and large problems throughout our life that we can solve for people. And that's going to create the attention that you need. It's going to create the network that you need, which creates those opportunities uh, in business. And I think the last piece of this, and, and I'll, I'll turn it back over, is kind of this third bullet point is realizing what business that we're actually in. And I heard Ed Milet give a talk uh, around some of this stuff and you know, use the example of McDonald's. Say, so what business is McDonald's in? Right. You, you hear answers of fast food and convenience, or you get some like, hey, they're, you know, they're in the real estate business. Well, they are that too. They actually own more real estate than anybody on planet Earth, except for the Catholic Church, which I think is kind of interesting. But the business they're actually in is, is love and happiness. Tony Robbins says our two biggest fears are being enough and being loved. Are we good enough? Are we smart enough? Do we have enough money that feeds into our biggest fear of? of not being loved or being appreciated or you know being included. And so they understood that because those are people's biggest fears, the way that we can grow a business is make them happy. Their best-selling meal is a happy meal. They even created a clown which made kids happy until Stephen King ruined that for everybody. And you know the the best-selling product that McDonald's has is Coca-Cola, a coconut smile. So how does that relate to mortgage? We're not in the mortgage business. We're not even in the real estate business. We're in the business of making people happy, making them feel loved and having an environment that they can love their family. And how do you do that? By solving problems that they have. Because nobody wants a mortgage. No one wants a big fat mortgage. Give me the, the biggest mortgage you have, the biggest payment that you can give me. Nobody wants that. They want what the mortgage provides for them. Well, hello, friends, and I hope that you're enjoying this episode of the 360 Experience podcast. To listen to the remainder of this episode, please visit us at The Loan Atlas, where you will also find the most comprehensive resource for mortgage professionals to build their practice, backed by the greatest faculty that's ever been assembled in the mortgage industry. Check us out at the link below or go to theloanatlas.com. Look forward to having you as a guest on our next episode of the 360 Experience Podcast.